Being your authentic self at work is important, and showing it can really open up career opportunities for you. Our guest today has some stories about how this worked for her. Welcome to Breakpoint, the ServiceNow Developer Podcast. Here's your host, Chuck Tomasi. Hello, ServiceNow admins, builders, developers, and all of you curious individuals that I always say with the utmost love and respect. Welcome to Breakpoint, the ServiceNow Developer Podcast, where we bring you the latest tools, tips, and tradecraft to accelerate your career. In this episode, I've got the wonderful pleasure of talking to ServiceNow Advisory Solution Consultant, Lauren McManaman. How are you today, Lauren? I could not be more excited to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. <laughs> oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. We've known each other for a while and uh, want to get into that in a bit. But before we begin, I want to give you a chance to introduce yourself. Tell us who is Lauren McManaman. Awesome. Well, yeah, my name is Laura McManaman. I am a 29-year-old uh, solution consultant at ServiceNow. I work on our App Engine team, and I've been at ServiceNow uh, since 2017. I grew up in the Midwest in lovely uh, Dublin, Ohio, and graduated from SMU in Dallas, Texas in 2015 with a degree in computer science. Okay, so you followed the traditional computer science background. This will be interesting. When you're not working, what do you enjoy doing? Well, I've got a one-year-old Bichon Frise puppy that takes up uh, a good chunk of time, especially recently. He's kind of going through his teenager phase. But aside from that, I've gotten really into scuba diving over the past couple of years. Right before COVID, I got my my open water license and I got my advanced license over the past year as well. I'm actually participating in a big cleanup of Lake Travis in a couple of weeks. So that will be very exciting. And aside from that, I've also gotten into sake like the Japanese sake. Oh, yes. And I'm working on my sommelier license for it. And the test, I think, will be in October of this year. So please wish me luck. I need all the help I can get. I didn't know there was like a certification for that. That's interesting. Yeah. I'm going to have to pick your brain on that. Usually I just get whatever the restaurant's got and put it in a beer and make a bomber and go for it. Yeah. <laughs> most people go. So it's been fun to explore like all the various kinds and the like manufacturing process of it. It's been very cool. Yeah. It's, it's gotta be a similar experience to, I know there's, there's like whiskey buffs and there's beer buffs. There's, there's so much variety out there to explore and you don't know it when you just go to the grocery store and pick up a bottle and go, that's my favorite. That's what I'm getting. Uh, it's, it's fun to, we were on a cruise recently and, and we did a whiskey tasting. Uh, we, we did one years ago with mezcal as well. And it's, you get those subtle flavors and go, Hmm, I'm going to have to look for this brand next time I go. You know, it might be a few bucks more than my normal bottle, but it's got some characteristics. It does, you know, with, with whiskey, you know, you kind of get that burn in the back of the throat going, is it supposed to do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. That's what's been fun about sake compared to, so I took it, they have an advisory license that you have to get before the sommelier license. So I did that last year and the introductory class, I thought a lot of other people would be from like other walks of life. Uh, and then I found that every single person in the class was either in the hospitality industry or restaurant industry. Uh-huh. And I was uh, very much out of my depth for a good portion of the class. So it's been, it's been fun catching up. <laughs> That'll be fun. Like I say, you're going to have to give us a class or something. You know, that would be a fun thing to do as like a meetup meet activity. The Tokyo's release. The Tokyo release. Yes. Yep. <laughs> we can have a developer meetup and have a tasting. Oh, I'm, I'm making plans now. It's not that far off. 
would love to do that. That's, that's part of my plan. I was like, oh, I get to finally use this to some extent for my job. This is the best. That would be fun. All right. You and I met at Knowledge 16, if my memory serves. Yes? Yes. Okay. Yes. You were in my app dev course. I remember you sitting right in the front row. And <laughs> I remember a particularly fun photo of your group. We were, it was like a photo scavenger hunt or something. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That, that was my first knowledge conference I'd ever attended. And they had a bunch of social media like related contests they were doing on Twitter. And they were doing, they were giving away I, there was something that my coworker really wanted, but I really wanted Snapchat spectacles, which were like completely unable to find at the time. And no one else was really doing the, the contest. And so at the end of it, like both he and I won like everything available. Um, it was so fun. That's right. Because we went back to the photo booth later as a group photo, and, you know, holding up your swag. Winnings. Yeah. <laughs> like I got these Bose headphones or whatever it was. <laughs> oh, that's right. It was Beats. Like he wanted the Beats headphones. I wanted the uh, Snapchat spectacles. <laughs> so you won by default <laughs> kind of yeah proud moment <laughs> oh yeah that's the kind of fun if the listeners are still listening uh, that's the kind of fun you're going to have at knowledge when you go to one of these experiences it's a lot of fun give us a, a little insight as to how did you find service now so the pathway there was very interesting. Like I said, I graduated with a degree in CS and I got a job at a company that I think a lot of people would say is like a dream job or a dream company to work for, for a computer science major. Um, I don't know if it was the product that I was assigned to or the team I was working on, but it wasn't, it wasn't not a good fit. I just didn't like the, 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 I didn't really much care for the type of work. I didn't really like the the motivations behind it. It was just very dry and very boring. Um, and I didn't really match well with my team. And so I was like frantically looking for something that was really going to excite me from a computer science standpoint. Um, I happened across a company in Dallas. They're relatively small at the time. I think they've grown substantially since at the time, I think they had around 300 employees and I was interviewing just to be a general developer. I was a, like general full stack developer. Um, however, from my interview, and I really give huge kudos to my manager at the time for recognizing this, but he basically said, you seem very business oriented. Mm -hmm. um, you, you're, you've been more than happy keep interviewing for a developer position. But we happen to have this thing called ServiceNow. It wouldn't be typical develop. It would not be full stack development. However, I think that with your business mindset, it would be a better fit. Hmm. Um, at the time, there was only one gentleman on the team that was kind of helping this manager run it. And he's like, we definitely need some help. And I think it'd be a great opportunity for you if you're interested. Um, so between the amount of dislike I had for my previous position and the like curiosity around this like mysterious platform, I like dove head into it and ended up being service now. The probably the weirdest thing too is that the gentleman that was training me. Um, he not soon after, not that long after I joined, ended up leaving the company. And so it very quickly became me and my manager basically running most of service now for this company, which was extremely intimidating at the beginning, but offered probably the best opportunity of my career. Okay. So it's a long way from knowledge 16. You, you obviously, yeah. they, they said, Hey, you've got this job. Let's go get you some training. You went to the pre-con training at knowledge 16. Yes. And then I blinked twice and you were like on <laughs> Slack. I'm going, wait, what, when did that happen? This is our yeah. internal Slack now, mind you. I'm going, okay, Lauren got hired. That's cool. Uh, <laughs> take me through this transition and, and 
How has ServiceNow changed your career since you started this project? Oh yeah. So at the at the customer I worked for, we had a licensing that allowed us to build a lot. We I think we had ITSM and ITOM and everything else we were responsible for building from the ground up using what would now be called App Engine. And I think what ultimately became my like favorite part of my job there was going to business units that had nothing to do with ServiceNow and saying like let me sit with you for a day see if there's any possibilities that we can help you. And I'll come back in a week with an app. That was always like kind of my, my shtick. I was like, I'll come back in a week with an app because there was for as agile as that company was, you know, there was still a tremendously large backlog. So a lot of these people just kind of accepted their day-to-day as like their day-to-day. And it was so fun to offer them a contrast to that. And eventually I kind of reached a point where I was just kind of hitting a ceiling there. And I, I asked my service now rep at the time, I was like, is there like an evangelist position for service now things? <laughs> I didn't know. I just had no idea what it's called. He's like, well, it's called solution consulting. I was like, I have no idea what that means. But if that's an evangelist job, then I, I'm very interested. Um, I did not know that was pre-sales. I didn't know that was uh like part your of the foot sales in the door. Team. Yeah, I just I just wanted to talk about ServiceNow and like why I liked it so much and hope other people like got the same value. Sure. And what they said was, we well, don't have a sales background, and this would be like a pre-sales position. So um, now we have this elaborate like SC Academy for this type of uh, ordeal. But at the time, they're like, well, we have Demo Center, uh, and Demo Center was a place where basically we churned out hundreds of demos per month. Uh, to assist with the sales process. And it was like a great proving ground to pick up on the sales skills that I didn't have before joining like an official sales team. I think I remember joining one of your demos and you almost freaked out. <laughs> oh, probably. <laughs> I just I wanted like, oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Chuck's on this one. <laughs> you yeah. delivered it fine. And that's when I went, huh, this is, you're pretty good at this. Uh, <laughs> Thank so you. It was you're right. That was that was an interesting time. I believe we still have Demo Center. We've got a lot of great solution yeah. consultants out of that. It's not. It's sort of the. I don't want to say this in the wrong way, but it's sort of the help desk to get into an IT career. It's 100%. it's it's a stepping stone. You learn what to say, how to demo, and and those are valuable skills no matter what role you're doing. Because I think it was. Might have been Fred Luddy who said everybody in this company is a salesperson. Yeah, no kidding. Everybody. So at some point, someone's going to say, hey, what do you do? What do you work? And then you go, well, <laughs> this is what I do and this is why I love it. And let me show you something. It was the um, it was a tremendous opportunity because, like I said, I didn't have a sales perspective or a sales background. I remember in my initial interview, part of it was doing a demo. And I did it like a developer would. I It was very much like feature function. And the hiring manager kind of sat there for a minute and... I really like, again, hats off to him for recognizing this within me. He's like, can you phrase it like in a different way? And he kind of coached me a little bit. I basically redid my interview on the spot and he was like, all right, perfect. That's what I was looking for. Not, not the thing you were doing before. I was like, okay, cool. I'm glad I could figure it out. <laughs> Let's take a deeper look into that because you touched on something that I want to talk about. You, hmm. you said I did my demo as a developer would do, and I've seen my fair share of developer demos and, and that's something that I think we can bring to light in this podcast. I'm totally off script right here, but I want to dive into that. What yeah. sort of advice, when I see a developer demo, 
it's like you said, feature functionality. I've even seen people go into here are the properties for this component, and it, mm-hmm. it it's not getting a story out. It's not getting a solution. I'm not getting to an outcome. What advice do you have for developers listening to this about how they could improve their, just like, what's your top takeaway of how you could improve a demo? They've built something, they want to show it. Maybe it's even to other developers. It could be to management. Does the audience matter? Let me ask you that. The audience 100% matters. Um, I think uh, going back to what you said previously, I think probably the, the best thing I can talk about uh, from this perspective comes from where how like where I was coming from when I was doing the, my first take at this, right? I think when a lot of developers are demoing, they're coming from the perspective of someone has given me basically assignments, right? They've given me a list of asks and I want to prove I have done every ask and I've done them really well and I'm very good at my job and I'm very smart and here's all the cool things I've done. And I think uh, that's definitely where I was coming from too is like, I want to impress them. I want to show them. It's a natural starting point. Yeah. Yeah. But from the audience perspective, they don't, I mean, this sounds a little, maybe like (laughs) a little mean, they don't care if you're smart or not. They don't care if you're really technically deep or not. They care about whether or not their value is reflected in the end product. And I think that's probably the best coaching that I've got. And I started to see that in that initial interview was I need to align not the I think in school, it's hard because they always tell you to show your work. The audience (laughs) most of the time does not want you to show your work. They want you to tell a story. And I think I have some tendencies to at least be a pretty good storyteller. And that helped me see and reformat like how I demo software. And they're going to see your work through that story. Yes, 100%. Right. So you're going to take them through and say, let me take you through a day in the life of a purchase order. I'm making this up as Mm -hmm. we go. Or a visitor coming into the building. They walk in and they see this wonderful experience. It's an iPad. We don't have to even check in with the receptionist. And they ask you your first name and your last name and who you're here to see, which is coming from a pre-populated list. So they don't even have to type anything, really. Maybe the first three letters. S-T-E. Are you looking for Stephen? Are you looking for Stephanie? Are you There they are. (laughs) And now they've got that. Immediately, a temporary visitor badge prints out on the receptionist's desk and she calls over and says, hey, Pradeep, come on over. Stephanie will be down shortly. You know, meanwhile, Stephanie just got an alert on her computer. You know, and th- this is the story you tell. You walk through a day in the life of this. You don't go into business rules and flows and <laughs> this kind of stuff. No, and that's expli- like to be blunt, that's explicitly what I did. I remember opening oh, yeah. up a business rule and be like, look at all this code I wrote. And they were like, we really could care less. We're happy. We're happy you can, but from a demo perspective for sales too. And that, that's a great point that you made. Like you want to show them what their life will be. Yeah. They you show them their life if this happens. Um, and that's so much more valuable than being like, look at my business role. <laughs> yeah. That's how you get the feedback too. They're going to yeah. say, well, what if we did this instead? Or I like where yes. this is going. I, this is what we originally thought would be a good idea, but we're going to tweak that a little bit. The best, the best uh, result of those meetings is the opposite of when they go, oh, why are we even doing X, Y, and Z? That seems to be a little bit of a moot point. Let's just cancel that all together. And you go, oh, awesome. That's less than I got to build. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to deactivate that flow. Yes. Even though you may have spent hours and hours building hours. it and debugging. <laughs> it's, it's like, that's a great idea. I think that'll be, lend better. It's all about the audience. You have to know yeah. who you're addressing, what they're interests are, 
what outcomes they're looking for. If you're doing a peer review of this thing, you may tell a lighter version of the story story, but go in deeper and say, this is what it took to build this. So, cause you're doing more of a peer review and someone will say, mm. well, why are you, why aren't you using a flow with a custom action instead of a script include in a business rule? Like, oh, yeah. you know, cause Come that's on. the direction we're moving towards. So understanding who you're presenting to, what their interests are, what the objective of that presentation is, is, is key to understanding that. So I just wanted to explore that a little bit more. I think there, there's all, you bring so much to the table, Lauren. Oh, thank you. That's so kind of you to say. As a ServiceNow Advisory Solution Consultant, what does your workday look like? What do you do for ServiceNow? Well, um, I, I, if you had to kind of summarize my position, I align ServiceNow's value to that that customers are seeking. So ultimately, I've done my job if at the end of like my stint in the opportunity, the customer goes, ServiceNow can adequately and even uh, supersede like our expectations for the problem that I have presented them with. Whether or not the sale occurs, that's not actually really within my purview. That's more the salesman's job, the mm -hmm. saleswoman's job. Ultimately, I have to match that ServiceNow can deliver the expected value. And that's usually coming in the form of a couple of things. Uh, I work on a specialist team. I don't work on every single ServiceNow product. I work on one, which is AppEngine. And so a specialist can deliver value in two ways. I can do it directly, which is hosting workshops and demos and you know, doing discovery calls with customers. So I can do things directly, but I'm also incentivized to essentially create disciples within the organization that can do my work too, or at least do parts of the job so that I can spend more time on the deep, really hard technical aspects of value selling. So I, in that form, like, or let me say that again, uh, to, to provide value indirectly, that's usually coming in the form of creating content, something that can enable maybe externally and internally. So I've put out like a lot of LinkedIn articles. I've started doing ServiceNow live streams and things mm -hmm. like that to basically create disciples to help teach the value of App Engine independent of me being there. It even includes putting lipstick on your dog. It does. <laughs> And I said that wrong. It, you kissed the dog and your lipstick transferred. I remember that was one of your outtakes. Did, yeah. He's a white dog too, so that doesn't work out the best. I didn't want people having visions of you like putting lipstick on the dog's oh, my dog. <laughs> Hold still. I was, that was cute. Uh, how do you deal with the assumptions of a customer? And I ask this because it, whether you're dealing with the external customers like you or a developer is engaging with somebody who wants something off of the platform. Hey, I need a catalog item to do this, or we need a, we need a new app to build that. You're given these requirements, but you're also given a set of assumptions that go with that. One of the classic stories I like to tell when I was a customer was the business analyst came to me and said, we need to put an email attachment on here as evidence for our auditors that come around once a year. And I said, no, 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 no. <laughs> We've got the approvers as a related list on the bottom with all the evidence. And you know, it's, it's those kinds of things that, that they think they know what the solution is, but you've got other ideas. How do you approach situations like that? I think the, the first thing I start with are the five whys. And there's like a universal, I can't remember if this came up in ServiceNow training or if in one of the self-help books that I read, but essentially they said, if you're asking about 
understanding a process or a person, you ask why and you keep going five times. And then ultimately at that point, you've probably got a sure. good idea of why they're doing something. And obviously you don't just hammer them like a five-year-old and go, why, no. why, <laughs> why? You have to change your phraseology. I just want to get that clear. You know, one yeah. of my favorites is help me understand, or what is the outcome we're looking for? Or tell me about the, the purpose of this. So there's a lot of different ways to rephrase why. Correct. It's not just saying, hey, why, 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 why? No, absolutely <laughs> correct. Uh, like, I think a good example of this occurred at my previous employer. So, you know, before I got formally trained and to assess value and things like that, but basically there was a process that like flowed through many silos within the company. And there were, I believe, like eight or nine different approvals that were occurring. And certain people had the ability at any point in time to basically veto or or auto confirm on other people's behalf. Mm -hmm. And basically the deeper that we dug into it, we realized that they could probably do everything with like two approvals um, and send them to the right people versus like peppering it all over the organization. And nobody does it. No, yeah, and no one does. It. It, it, it's sort of like when you send an email that says, you know, we're going to all get this task done and nobody takes it up. You know, somebody on the team yeah. will get it. Certainly. No, you have to <laughs> assign things very prescriptively. Yeah, it was the bystander effect in like full force. <laughs> yeah. So again, as an advisory solution consultant, Lauren, what do you like best about your job? Ooh, uh, personally, I'm a, like a fiercely independent person. <laughs> I think most people would describe me as. So having the flexibility is something that's very, very valuable to me. And I like working in solution consulting because basically the there are like degrees of control I have over my job that basically turn it into like a micro startup within a company. Um, basically you have me and my sales rep. We kind of act as our own little mini company with a lot of control and you go one step above that and it's the, the BU or the business unit. And that's kind of like its own startup too. So something that I really like about solution consulting and, and service now too, I don't know, I, I've only done pre-sales at one company. This could be very inaccurate for other brands, um, but I have a lot of autonomy over our brand as a sales team. Like for example, mm -hmm. I really don't like overly corporate looking assets and marketing assets. Like if you look on LinkedIn, I very rarely ever just share posts that ServiceNow as a company puts out because I think they look they look like a company made them, which is fine. I think that's great. But there's reasons that people are really attracted to like your content because you add a human element to that. And I think that is so, so, so important, especially for selling software, something that a lot of people don't see as human. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and and the, the um, I'm very grateful that ServiceNow allows me to have that control over the brand and over how I sell. And I've, I've never gotten like my hand slapped for doing so. I also like that too, in like how I approach customers too. I think that the standard for most people, or at least for a lot of companies is come in, do a demo or do a workshop. And a workshop is always X, Y, or Z. Mm -hmm. One thing that we've like, personally, my sales rep and I, Jamie Holmes, have found a lot of success and my previous sales rep, Paul Warren, with doing what we basically create our own workshop format called Nitro Sessions. And Nitro Sessions were made to emulate the developer and design process process mm -hmm. that these customers would find. So instead of having everyone sit in a room for like eight or 16 hours over a couple of days, we basically said, your time commitment to us is 15 minutes a week. That's all we want. But 
Every week, we're basically going to do a stand-up with you, and then you will give us heavy, heavy criticism on an app that we have built. So usually this comes as a result of uh, like a loose use case saying, hey, we have a goal. We don't really know how to get to that goal. And we go, okay, we have some ideas, but you at every every week for 15 minutes have to come and tell us what you like about the current build and what you don't. And the closer we get to that vision, we had pre-agreed upon people that we'd bring in from the customer side to basically incentivize them to stay committed and give us good feedback. So that, you know, at meeting six, the CIO is coming. So you gotta, (laughs) you gotta make sure it's, it's working well. So that helped them get in the mindset. It was a much less time commitment on their end and gave me a lot more time to build something cool. So I, again, that's kind of going into the flexibility and I, I really am grateful for that. Well, our developers should recognize that is it's agile. Yeah, it's agile. (laughs) You know, you're, 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 you're going in a general direction and you get, you make incremental changes and get course corrections along the way. That's agile. Yep. That's why we started doing it. Cause I was like, man, I, that's one aspect about my developers is I missed. I didn't like the waterfall-esque type of commitment that workshops were, you know, saying, Hey, you have to get all this done in this amount of time. Oh, we're going to change a bunch of things in, the, in media ray, but you're still having to yeah. achieve that, that commitment. That's, that's hard. It makes it easier when those changes do come up. It's like, no, yeah, we need to make need to make a little course correction. It's like, fine, we can do that. You know, if you're, if you're changing the whole underlying architecture or the basic premise of what we're doing, that's a reset. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's a reset. You, you got to be able to spot those as well. All right. Next question. Tell me about a really tough challenge you had and how you found a success story in it. Okay. That's a, that's a fun one. I think it's, it, it's an interesting story that comes from kind of like a monkey's paw wish scenario. <laughs> I think that one of my biggest driving factors is I have a very sincere desire to work abroad. Um, I think it offers an amazing perspective. I think it allows you to grow in how you see the world and how you see business. There's just something that I'm very very much interested in doing. And I had the opportunity to work abroad for a period of time. It was kind of like a test drive. It was, it was fantastic mm-hmm. in Australia. And so essentially the, the directive given to me was two parts. One part of the trip was doing a bunch of like um, conference style workshops and hosting them. Um, this is actually on behalf of one of your own team members that was double booked. This is on behalf of Jason McKee. So he had been given a directive to do all these workshops in Australia. I think he was in India at the time. So obviously not right next door, something that he couldn't just hop over <laughs> and do easily. Um, so I got to go in his stead. On top of that, my own team said, hey, while you're there, since you're already <laughs> since you're already 24 hours away by plane, you would it would be great if you could help out this new salesman that was also working there that didn't have an SC yet for App Engine. Great. Um, I did not know this, but on the back end, uh, this gentleman unfortunately had some very serious family problems going on, some very, very serious health stuff mm. that obviously would take mega, mega precedence. Um, So basically I fly into Australia ready to get guided and helped on my first big trip abroad. (laughs) And it was basically turned into a solo venture. I had all these customers I had already committed to. He was taken away for family reasons. And I obviously had never been to Australia before in my life. And not only that, but host all these workshops that were beyond the scope of my normal job. Uh, So doing that offered up many, many 
um, interesting learning opportunities, learning opportunities from the sake of I'm not doing to business in the States anymore. So there are just mm-hmm. ways of doing business that are slightly different. Um, probably one of the more humorous ones was we did a telecom um, on-site customer meeting. And I was told, oh, it's just going to be a light conversation. It was, it was basically an interrogation of me um, with a lot of people that were from Pakistan that had learned English in Australia. So there's me sitting there getting interrogated and I was really struggling with the accent combination. So that was fun. But just having to, I I would think probably the biggest criticism I get is that I'm a control freak. I really like to have complete control over a situation. I over prep um, just to make sure that I am as comfortable as possible. And it put me in a position where that was not possible to do between mm-hmm. not having the guide, not knowing the country, um, doing things outside of my job, and a lot of the things kind of being murky as far as the expectations. And it it forced me in a position to get comfortable with relying on my strengths. I think that's something that my boss has been very good. My boss, Gordon Jackson, has been very good at, at pressuring me to explore more is that you can still deliver a results without severely over prepping. So fall back on where you find your own sense of strength to carry that through just to deliver on the meeting. And I think that that experience ended up obviously not being what I expected, but ultimately like infinitely more valuable in helping grow that aspect that I think was a pretty big weakness, especially earlier on in my career. That's that sounds very similar to what I do as well. Maybe not so much in the over preparation, but relying on data, relying on facts before you oh, make yeah. a decision. And yeah. and I'm sure this resonates with a lot of our listeners as well. Is is that you have to learn to start trusting incomplete, you know, sort of extrapolate or interpolate what yes. is is there that you don't know, and trust your gut. You know, there's there's times when you have to. To say, and and maybe that's the answer is somebody asks you for your opinion. You say, you know, I've got some ideas. Here's what they are. I'd like to find out more before making a final decision. That's fine too. At least people know where you stand. But to to just kind of hold back and hold back and hold back. You know, somebody said that there's a there's a name for these personalities. Whether you go with Myers Briggs or Disc or whatever. You know, these are the kind of people that uh, if you tell them to fire a gun, they'll go, ready, aim, 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 aim. It's like, shut up and fire. At some point, you have to fire. A hundred percent. You'll never make any points if you don't shoot on goal or on net or whatever sport you want to put that in. Like, you just got to go for it sometimes, even though you might not be 100% certain of the intended outcome. So that's that's a fun thing that I like to bring up every once in a while is, you know, you got to, sometimes you got to let go of the data and trust your instinct. Yeah. And it's a hard thing to do. It, I've had a lifetime of it and it's only been the last 10 years or so that I've recognized that you can get a lot further if you do that. <laughs> what is it? It's like, uh, I forget who said this quote, but it's perfect is the enemy of good enough. And that could yes. not be more true. <laughs> Especially if you're looking at something like, you know, an agile MVP kind of things like, what does your MVP of this software product look like yeah. it's like you know what you're gonna have to go with good enough on some of this stuff and maybe there's holes and maybe you're shipping with bugs and you let people know hey this isn't quite baked yet but i want you to see it i want you to you know play around with it and give us some feedback on it 100 percent. 
Okay, Lauren, before you go, I like to ask everybody this question. What words of advice do you have for developers listening to this? Best advice I can give you is don't be afraid to integrate you into your job. I think that this was something that I was very, very afraid of doing earlier on in my career. I'm a little bit younger, like I'm on the younger side of people in my position. And so I very much struggled with like imposter syndrome and I still do to some extent. And a way of compensating for that is I thought I had to like kind of play a character and not like pretend I'm someone else per se, but not let certain aspects bleed into the job because I thought it made me look a certain way. What I have found, and I think this shows up like in a lot of the work that you do, Chuck, I think that's why people are so enamored with a lot of your content, is that when you include the human aspects of yourself, whether that is like a love of scuba diving or whether that is, Mm -hmm. oh, I like to do hand-drawn assets for my LinkedIn headers. I don't know. But people really... um, you can see the humanity in that. And also it gives them opportunities to make bonds with coworkers, with customers, et cetera. I think probably one of the like funniest moments in my career was I was doing some boring demo. It wasn't even a demo of software that I was responsible for, but I volunteered to do it. And it, it's usually, it was like a, it was a deprecated product or a product that we don't really like do much with anymore. Um, and I was trying to spice it up or something like that. And I used to be a figure skater. Like I used to love, I figure skated for, I think 12 years. And it was at the time it was during the last winter Olympics or the Pyeongchang Olympics. And I remember I was like, I could go into this meeting and it was with a very stern customer and just deliver it and then be done with it. Or I could try and make it at least fun for me. And add a spin to it. And so I created this whole use case off of figure skating and I created like good metaphors for what this product was doing, et cetera. And I remember showing it to somebody, I don't remember who it was. And they were basically like, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to get it. I don't know what the heck you're doing. This seems like a stretch. I was like, Oh, it'll be fine. And I remember it was one of those fun meetings I did that year And it was, and it gave them the opportunity to like, have a laugh, have a break. They got the content they needed. And I I think that was that moment I realized like you, even if someone doesn't know what you're passionate about, passion is something that anyone can identify with. And it makes an engagement so much more pleasurable. As long as it's relevant. True, true, true. (laughs) You you gotta be aware of cross-cultural boundaries. I mean, if we're talking about uh, you know, a sport played only in the U.S., you know, maybe it's American football. You don't take that to the Middle East, for example. It probably won't work that well. True. Maybe cricket, maybe field hockey. <laughs> right. Those would be better. <laughs> so know, know your audience, as, as we said before. And I love the fact that, you know, you, you open yourself up a little bit because not only do people start to understand you as a person and make it more relatable, but it also opens up opportunities. If you're shutting down some of that creativity, you're shutting down some of that exposure, uh, you're missing opportunities. 100%. People won't know that you're capable of something or that you have an interest in something. And that may be critical for your future career path. It, it, yeah. if they say, hey, Lauren, you scuba dive? Um, we're doing some work with this customer that has that as part of their portfolio, would you be interested in, and you go, 100%, yes, but if you never 
let anybody know, or you didn't do a slide deck with a couple of scuba divers on it, whatever, <laughs> uh, you know, it, 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 you'd be amazed at where those opportunities come from when you start opening yourself up like that. It, it, it really is amazing. I would not be where I am today if I didn't let somebody know along the way that I do podcasts. That's- 100%. Yeah, same with me in service now. Started that as a hobby. A hundred percent. If I hadn't had the courage to reach out to my rep saying, I like evangelizing service now, I would not be working here today. And so I'm, I'm extremely grateful for the opportunities that have presented themselves by me just having the courage to speak about what I like. And I think others should definitely feel comfortable doing the same. It, it, you never know who's listening. Great discussion today, Lauren. Thank you so much. Before we leave, let the listeners know how they can get in touch with you. So thank you again for having me today. This is like one of the highlights of my entire year. I'm so flattered to be asked to be here. Um, if you'd like to reach out to me about career stuff or about ServiceNow or about App Engine, you can find me on LinkedIn at L McManamans or just Laura McManaman. I'm probably the only one that will show up. Uh, and you can follow me on Twitter at Posh Programmer as well. Thank you, Lauren. Fun as always, great content. We went in some really interesting places on this discussion that we totally did not plan on. Had a great time. And thank you, listener, for joining us today. Don't forget, we have plenty of other ServiceNow podcasts. All of them are at community.servicenow.com under the resources menu, or you can go to servicenow.com slash podcast and find them there as well. You can subscribe to this one or them and get them automatically delivered to you on your podcast client of choice. Find them wherever you find your other podcasts. I'm not going to list them all here because the list keeps changing. Again, thank you so much, Lauren. It has been a blast, and I look forward to talking to you again in the future. Likewise. Thank you so much. Please let us know what you think about this podcast. You can leave feedback or ask questions in the ServiceNow community. For more great information on ServiceNow development, check out the ServiceNow developer portal at developer.servicenow.com. Thanks for listening. I can't see. Everything's dark. Can you please open the exposure up a little bit, please? <laughs> Too late. Well, this isn't where I expected to be, but I love it. Tell me as an advisory solution consultant, I feel like I'm writing a story here. As an advisory solution consultant. Hey, you know, that's not a bad path. That's a pretty smart way of doing it. Yes. No. Senior? That, I, that wasn't even a complete sentence. Oh, I have one more thing to add, if that's okay. Oh, please no. I'm starting to go all over the place in my own sentence, and it's written right in front of me. Do you think it went okay? Did it sound okay? All these stupid things going through your head at the same time, and you're supposed to still sound natural? Come on! My throat just got dry in the middle of a sentence. What the? Okay, that's a, that's a fun one. Yes, we love our outtakes.